Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching or real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. I welcome you back this week for another talk. And this week, I decided that I would like to expand upon one of my favorite theories, which is my wave theory. So let me briefly explain my wave theory and help you understand how we create and make our own destructive waves. So the way I see emotional struggle, let's, let's call struggle, especially emotional struggle, let's call those the waves of our life. Those are the disrupting waves that come into our life, and they are emotionally disrupt destructive. Some waves can last for quite some time, but typically waves are intermittent. What happens is we get caught up in a wave, and we struggle within that wave, and we find ways to cope, and sometimes we don't. And But eventually the wave begins to kind of lessen and recede, sometimes just Minimally, sometimes they extinguish. And at that point, we find ourselves in a trough. And a trough is the quiet state between waves. And that's where we have a chance to catch our breath before the next wave rolls in with more conflict, more problems, and just more anguish. So it's the, and this is the nature of life itself. I mean, there isn't a person, so don't feel alone. There isn't a person on earth that doesn't go through waves and troughs, waves and troughs. It's the way of life. We are vulnerable creatures and life has many challenges. There'll always be waves. If you are under the illusion that you can find a way to eliminate the waves of your life, then, of course, you are going to be in trouble. Unless you sort of hyper-drug yourself, there's no way that you're going to insulate yourself from circumstantially avoiding the waves that come and go in life. So, number one, we accept the fact that there are waves, there are challenges, there are difficulties, there are losses, there are problems, there are waves. So let's not be naive. Let's not try to uh, uh, deflect or deny that waves exist, but let's try to find a more efficient way to enhance our trough states, to minimize our wave states, and most importantly, and this is where I want the focus of today's talk, and most importantly, not to create waves emotional waves while we're in a trough state. These are the needless waves that don't exist naturally. They are artificially produced by our insecurities. And these are the worries, the anxieties, the stressors, uh, not circumstantial stressors, but the self-imposed stressors that we live with. 
let us begin by taking a look at what goes on in the trough state that generates waves. And as the title suggests of this podcast, how are you making your own waves? At least that's my title for now. I may change it by the end of this, but let's let's get into it. How are you making your own waves? Have you ever heard of cognitive dissonance? Well, this is a fancy word for when our brain is at war with itself. And this is a state of self-doubt, where we have two beliefs, sometimes diametrically opposed, and we're stuck in the middle. Do we go left? Do we go right? Our brains just seem to prefer binary beliefs. Whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, religious or secular, we just seem to prefer being on one side of the fence or the other. But doubt is, uh, is of itself understandable. I mean, if you're applying for a job, is it a good fit? So that kind of doubt, circumstantial doubt, it's kind of productive. It makes you scrutinize the facts to weigh the possibilities. What about whether you could trust someone at work or a friend? Again, this isn't neurotic. Being doubtful about certain things can be very protective. It tends to slow us down. It tends to keep us from leaping impatiently to uh, find an answer or to assume an answer. You know, you got to wonder whether the captain of the Titanic should have had a little bit more self-doubt about his decision to forge ahead through the ice, the ice fields of the North Atlantic. So self-doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. However, when does it become a bad thing? When does it start to produce waves? Well, that occurs when self-doubt is infused with insecurity. And when it gets infused with insecurity, of course, now we're dealing with what we may call self-distrust. Now, if you're a person that lives with self-distrust, you're probably familiar with the experience of seeing life as potential landmines. Wherever you step, something might explode. You know, there's a great hesitancy about moving through life because without self-trust, there is an abundance of self-doubt and everything becomes an issue. You're just trying to be safe. I mean, who would want to step on a landmine? But with insecurity, most of the landmines are imagined. They are products of insecurity, the what-ifs, the, the doubts that, that more or less freeze us. We just don't want to trust ourselves. And this can become torture. We like to be on either side of the fence. We like binary kind of living. But when you're stuck on the fence, you know, in the Civil War, they had a torture called riding the rail. And this was a, a beam that was suspended on both ends. And it was about 12 feet above the ground. And they would sit you on top of the rail with one foot splayed on either side of the rail. You can only imagine over time how torturous that is. Well, that's psychologically true, too. We, we, get, we are tortured by being on that fence. When we know we want to make that decision and we just can't believe or trust. I've had patients that couldn't make life decisions, career decisions, just stuck. And 
asking, for example, thinking of a, a young lady I worked with, she didn't know what she wanted to do. She had graduated high school, but she didn't know if she wanted to go to college. She didn't know if she wanted to get a job. I asked her, well, what, what interests do you have? I don't know, she said. Just blank. What passions do you have? Well, I, I don't think I have any. I'm just stuck. I just, I just need to make a decision. And of course, you could almost feel that that need to make that decision was just grating at her. You see, when insecurity infiltrates self-doubt, then of course, it shuts us down. In this case, the young lady was, you know, had a moderate to mild depression, but it was, she was retracting now from, from the fear of jumping one side or the other of the fence, and that fear was crippling her. So self-doubt can shut us down. It can not only shut us down, but create a wave of psychological friction. You know, the knowledge, the imperative that you need to make a decision. This can be very, very disorienting. I have to decide, should I sell the house? I have to decide, should I call him up? And, and the more you get into the frustration and the doubt, the more intense the anxiety becomes, the more intense the stress becomes. What gift should I get? If I get that gift, is it enough? Or would it seem like it's too much? I don't want to... And you start, you get frozen. So another word for self-doubt is really to become emotionally frozen out of, and we're going to get into the, the next, which is fear. But it's the self-doubt that is the precursor, in many cases, the precursor to fear. And it says that you really can't make that decision. Because if you make the wrong decision, if you get off the rail and you make the wrong decision, then poof, you might land on a landmine. So as uncomfortable as riding that rail might be, on some level, you're saying, well, it's better than getting off the rail and stepping on a landmine and making a mistake. What if I buy them that paperweight and it's not the right choice? Oh my gosh, what will happen? Things like this, as insignificant as they might seem, to a bystander, can become absolutely crippling. All right, so as I've been hinting at, it's the insecurity that leads to indecision. Of course, we can't trust that we could possibly know that this would be the right choice and not a landmine. And it's the indecision that leads to doubt. And this is the state of self-doubt, where we, we ride the rail out of fear. But then that experience joins hands with the emotion of fear. So we have doubt as a wave producer. And now the second wave producer is fear, doubts and fears. Now, fear is a, is a natural emotion. Certainly, it's a survival emotion. Um, we, we need to know when there is danger, real danger. And we need to fear real danger. The physical response is what we call the fight-flight. Now, it's been elaborated to flight, freeze, fight, where you're either fighting the problem, fleeing the problem, or just frozen like a deer in the headlight. But I add another element to that. I add fight, freeze, flight, and fester, <laughs> where we're on that rail and our our fear is such that we don't want to step on that landmine and our mind is just chewing and chewing and what-ifing and worrying. That's the fester part. But it's all fear-based. There's a natural component, of course, to survival. 
and fear. And we have to differentiate, as we did with doubt, we have to differentiate between circumstantial or real fear versus insecurity-driven or neurotic fear. Now, whether it's future events, imagined events, environmental dangers, or just the unknown, these can all be fearful. But when insecurity becomes a component, then, of course, everything is extrapolated. They become bigger than life. They become infused with self-doubt. There's that doubt again. So, yes, fear is part of life, part of our wave-making. And when we're in that trough, when we're on a, in a fearful state, we are definitely generating a wave. I mean, this is a not just a mental state. Obviously, it's a physical state. We feel fear. And fear is, is not a pleasant place to be. Just as riding the rail isn't a pleasant place, being fearful is feeling imminent danger as you scurry to just try to protect yourself. So we have doubts, we have fear. Now, what's the third wave maker? And there are three. It's doubts, fears, and negativity, the negatives. Now, human beings are programmed, genetically programmed, to have what's called negative bias. And that is that we we really focus more on the bad stuff in life than the good stuff. We have more of a recollection of the bad stuff than the good stuff. So what's this negative bias? Why? Simple. Because the bad stuff is what can hurt you. And if you forget about the bad stuff, then you're going to get hurt again. If you are a hiker and you eat some some berries that get you very sick. Well, you darn well better remember which berries not to eat, the bad stuff. So what happens with our genetically imposed tendency toward negative bias is that we inject it with insecurity. And when insecurity is injected into a, that negative bias, then, of course, it's as if we are on negative steroids. We lose our self-trust, our ability to, to believe that we can handle life. We create this tremendous wave while we're in the trough state. We create this wave of just anticipating bad things. And we expect nothing in life but bad stuff. This has now become almost our knee-jerk reflex. We expect things not to work out. We're, why do we do that? Well, we're trying to protect ourselves from the bad stuff. But the bad stuff, when it's infused with insecurity, is more often imagined bad stuff, the what-ifs. So we live with chronic anticipation of things that are going to go awry, when in fact things might not go awry. So therefore, we're back in the trough state, which is a nice place of possible solace and tranquility, and we create a wave of negativity. We're, anticipate, we're anticipating the bad stuff. We just want to defend ourselves. You know, it's where life becomes the enemy. So I'm going to just pause for one second and just tell you that today's podcast is being brought to you by my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So back to our trough state, which has been inundated with wave-making the waves of doubt, the waves of fear, the waves of negativity. And the truth is, 
when you should be at a place where you are enjoying the solace between life's challenges. Ain't it a shame that you have this respite from life's demands and challenges and you waste it? You're never really free if that's what you're doing. If insecurity infiltrates your life with doubts, fears, and negativity, well, anxiety is not going to be far away. Depression is not going to be far away. Chronic stress, struggle. Stress, struggle, anxiety, depression, that's not indigenous to life. Those are creations perpetrated by insecurity, reflexive insecurity, the habit of insecurity. Ah, that's the word I always come back to in these podcasts, the habit. The habit nature of struggle. Anxiety, depression, emotional struggle, the friction that we feel in life. These are all part of a habit of insecurity. Now, when you feed insecurity with the crumbs of doubt, fear, and negativity, what happens to the habit? Well, you enhance it. It grows becomes stronger, more crippling. Life becomes one wave after another. And for some, they'll tell you that there are no troughs. Life is just one continuous wave. But it's not true. It's the habit of insecurity that initiates wave production when there should be none. So pay attention to the feeding process. Catch yourself. Your thoughts are your own. It may not feel that way, and they may be so reflexive that they just seem to have a mind of their own, but they're your, your, your thoughts. You can override negativity. And again, just to be clear, whether it be doubt, fear, or negativity, we're talking about the neurotic application, not the circumstantial. When fear is real, when doubts are necessary, and when negativity protects us from real danger. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when you're in a trough state where you could just take a deep breath and just enjoy the respite between life's challenges. That's where it becomes corrupted by insecurity-driven waves. And that's where you can be most effective at realizing how you feed that habit. The discretionary thoughts, the insecurity-driven thoughts, that insists that you cannot handle life, that life is just, just too much to handle. You know, you've got to be afraid of life. You, you've got to not be sure of yourself. You, you've got to be defended. Well, being defended is great if you're being attacked. But if you're not being attacked and you're chronically defending, huh, there goes the trough state. Here comes the wave. So that's that's what I wanted to get at today with my ongoing attraction to wave theory, is that when you're in between real-life circumstantial waves, ask yourself, is this a possibility for me to not be generating more waves? And if it is, then pay particular attention to not instigating a wave with doubts, fears, and negativity. Be objective. Be realistic. And most importantly, try to reach that state of psychological maturity where you come to realize, hey, I can handle this. Get away from that self-doubt that's trying to deceive you into saying, I can't handle that. That's what I call the child reflex. You're not a child. Come to your full maturity. You can handle life. 
You don't have to anticipate all the things that are going to go wrong. You need to live in the moment, in the trough moment. And if in that trough moment there's nothing bad going on around you, why imagine and bring something bad into the picture when you don't have to? So I wish you all trough experiences. And until next week, why don't you take a look at my website, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn a little bit more about my philosophy and maybe take a look at some of my other books. I should mention that if you'd like to reach me, uh, you can either reach me through the contact section of my website or my email, which is selfcoachinghelp, one word, at aol.com. And I'd love to hear any suggestions you might want for a podcast or to ask a, a particular question that you may have. Be glad to try to answer it in one of these talks. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. Let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart. This is your way. Life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than